Welcome to a review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timoneni. On today's episode, we are here to talk about all of the reviews for the latest Broadway revival of Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler's Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. This is such a massive occasion in the history of Broadway, a show that is almost universally beloved by theater fans of a certain age that we had to bring in a special guest, and it is somebody that you've already heard me talk to today if you listen to today on broadway uh grace aki is here because she has seen the show twice as she mentioned on today on broadway for monday and had to kind of share her thoughts once the reviews were out so grace thank you for pausing succession to talk about sweeney todd with me you know that's when it's real when i have to pause <laughs> the season four finale final premiere, final premiere, premiere premiere well premiere but the final uh, season for the series um, for to talk about Sweeney Todd opening night. So it's a big deal. Enjoy. <laughs> it's a big deal. So, of course, this production, as we've been talking about, is directed by Tommy Kale with choreography by Stephen Hoggett. There's a uh, we're not going to get a ton into this during the reviews, but the technical specifics of this show got a lot of praise in a lot of the reviews. Scenic design by Mimi Lean, costume design by Emilio Sosa, lighting design by Natasha Katz, uh, sound design, which actually got a, I think it was the New York Times who was a little not good on some of the sound stuff. That was Nevin Steinberg. The opening night cast is transcendent. John, Josh Groban as Sweeney Todd, Emily Ashford as Mrs. Lovett, Maria Bilbao as uh, Joanna, Nicholas Christopher as Pirelli, Jordan Fisher as Anthony, uh, Gaten Matarazzo as Tobias, Ruthie Ann Miles as the Beggar Woman, and uh, many, many more. As of the recording time, Did They Like It has not yet published its roundup, so by the time you get, uh, get this episode in your ears, we hopefully will have that, but either way, we will have a link to at least the Broadway World Review Roundup so you can kind of look at all of the reviews. But we will start with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. He said, quote, Now comes a new special on the menu. The ravishingly sung, deeply emotional, and strangely hilarious Sweeney revival that opened on Sunday at the Lantfontaine Theater. Starring Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford and directed by Thomas Kale, it has a rictus on its face and a scar in its heart. The gorgeously sung part is no surprise with Groban, whose quasi-operatic pop baritone perfectly encompasses the range of the role and whose technique makes, makes sure every word is bell clear. And though it can't be said that Groban invokes terror, which is something that comes up in a lot of these reviews, that's partly the result of Kale's attention to naturalistic detail within an expressionistic palette. Even dwarfed, and unfortunately sometimes obscured, by Bimi Lean's awesomely vast sets, we always see Sweeney as a human being, albeit a strange one. Most of the humor comes from Ashford herself, a brilliant comic for whom comedy is not the end, but the means. Her Mrs. Lovett, despite a tip of the wig to Angela Lansbury, who originated the role, is not the music hall zany Lansbury created, but a brutal schemer for whom zaniness is a useful cover. It's a great, very specific performance and very well sung, It occasion if occasionally pushed too hard histrionically and often too hard to hear. Both she and Jordan Fisher seem to be under-amplified. He goes on to say that uh, Gaten Matarazzo sings, quote, an especially haunting Not While I'm Around with Ashford, um, and then uh, kind of closes it off with the principal cast. And as the grown-up Joanna uh, Maria Bilbao makes fascinating sense of an often bland character by turning her into a bird, twisting with ticks and scratching as if to escape the cage of her own skin. 
So Grace, as we talked about on Today on Broadway, you saw this show twice last week during the press preview period, I'm, I'm right. pretty sure. Um, once was with Jordan in as Anthony and one was with him out and your friend Nathan Salston, who I'm not going to ask you to be unbiased about describing because I know that would not be possible uh, on for him. But as a whole, what were your thoughts on this production? You know, I've never seen, I realized I'd never seen Sweeney live ever. It, it didn't occur to me. Oh, wow. So I'm in the theater and I got to see it twice, like you said. And what's crazy is I sat from the back of the house and then I sat closer up um, for the, that press performance. And it was fascinating to see the, the differences in like some things that hit differently. Uh, the closer that you were, the more that you could see. Like Gaten's performance is so incredibly good. I've never cared so deeply for Tobias. I was always like a little boy that sings a sweet song. And his performance is so haunting. It's so stylized. He's he's so he's just so engaging. But then he really, it's really terrifying. Like this, his transformation as a character. I don't want to give anything away, but he really. A lot of I've seen a lot of reviews quickly say like you know he's a part of the star casting and the stunt casting. I'm sorry, but this kid is a Broadway kid. He's a theater kid. He has roots yeah. here. He had a Broadway career before he did Stranger Things. He's an incredibly talented actor. I can't wait to see the rest of his career. He is he is absolutely incredible in this show. They are so fortunate that he happens to be a star on Netflix, but he he absolutely holds his own, if not brings everybody up with him. And the way that he acts opposite uh, Annalie is when you finally see that Mrs. Lovett become a little bit, the mask comes down. And it was... It was beautiful to watch. I, I really can't stop talking about it enough. And the other thing that I want to, besides Ruthie, who there are so many moments that she is in the shadow. If you ever are in those big group numbers and you're watching everything that's happening, the chaos, the city is on fire. Every time you're able to take a glance at what Ruthie is doing, it is astounding. Like that woman, we we know it, we know it, we know it, but it really, um, it makes you go, where's, where's that part too? Like, I want to see the entire show um, with a GoPro on on Beggar Woman. Like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really fantastic. And then the other thing that I won't get over and that I absolutely had to like gush to him about was John Rapson's Beatle is the greatest Beatle performance yeah. we will ever have. Um, he, wow. I'm not kidding. I just, I really adore him. His performance is fantastic. And I hope that it's lauded in all of these reviews. And if it's not, you're hearing it from me and I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, yeah. there are a lot of performances that are worth the ticket. Nicholas Christopher's Pirelli, um, you know, 10 minutes of that number with Ray Lee in the chair is like the the best little like character piece. And he's just all over the place with his voice. And then you learn, oh, he's the standby for Sweeney Todd. Well, now I'm going to have to come back and see that. Like, it's just like everybody is, is hitting the top of their game. Maria is like the most beautiful Joanna. I, a friend of mine said that they had seen her do something else. And they said, how is she not a star? I don't understand. And then when her casting announced, they said, okay, well, this is going to make her a star. I hope that that's now. the case. Yeah. She um, she sings Joanna so perfectly, and and I'm glad it was echoed. And I think it was Naveen Kumar's uh, review as well, or, or maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't. Maybe it was Jesse's uh, for the Times. But I, I could not stop thinking about how she absolutely exhibits 
a woman who has been caged and a woman who is trying to yeah. break free with her own wings as a bird, the way Sondheim wrote it, it was really fantastic. And I just, I really can't get over it. There were just so many hits, absolute hits that I know that aren't going to be mentioned in all of these articles that are talking about Grobe and talking about Annalie as they should. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to say that there are a lot of key players that are making that show absolutely um, create the the entire piece that is so great. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about some of those in some of these uh, other reviews real quick. Adam, uh, Adam Feldman gave the show four out of five stars in Time Out in New York. And I do want to say his review of Anna Lee uh, is pretty special. So I will say that one real quick. And Ashford's performance is a triumph. With breathtaking originality, she mixes fresh comic personality, madcap, sly, performative, libidinous. I'm guessing that has something to do with libido, but I've never heard that word before. With howlingly funny physical business, including a priceless bit on a staircase. Goes on to talk about Groban and Gaten and all of that stuff. But he does have a nice paragraph about some of those other people that you mentioned. Uh, the balance of power between the two leads shifts Kale's production in the direction of dark comedy, with especially able assistance in that department from Nicholas Christopher as the florid pseudo-Italian Montebank Pirelli. Ruthie Ann Miles brings poignant emotional variety to her role as a lewd beggar woman who suspects malfeasance at Mrs. Levitt's shop. And Jackson, that's Jamie Jackson, who plays the uh, who, who plays Judge Turpin, uh, Jackson and Bilbao act as well as they sing, which is impressive in both cases. Then he says, parenthetically, only Fisher's vacant sailor Anthony misses the boat. And then I'll wrap up. You mentioned Naveen Kumar. I'm just going to do a little bit here because he talks about uh, Annalie Ashford. He says, quote, Following her turn opposite Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Sunday in the Park with George, George, Ashford is cementing herself as a premier Sondheim interpreter. There will be those who brag about seeing Ashford's By the Sea in Lapone's Ladies Who Lunch within back-to-back -back seasons. That is high praise, and I think anybody who has kind of followed Annalie Ashford's career, both on stage and screen, understands how special she is. All right, Grace, any parting uh, thoughts that you want to get in about Sweeney Todd, about the production, about any of the performances, about where you should sit, anything like that? I mean, I, I have to say I did enjoy the production in uh, sometimes you can see a show anywhere in the house and you get kind of the same experience. This one felt like you will absolutely have the most maximum uh vantage point if you're at the front of the mezzanine most likely um so you're paying that you know top dollar for this sure. i i did not do that so I'm, I'm just saying that you know from that standpoint but um i think that my biggest takeaway is that because the cast that fills out that rounds out the ensemble and um you know like supporting principal cast is so great that if you have an opportunity and you live in New York and you have the means or you're visiting and you see that there might be a cover on or a standby or a, an understudy on, I think that it would be absolutely worth seeing that show given how many different people are covering like Gina Duvall is literally standby for Mrs. Levin yeah, and Beggar Princess Woman. Diana herself. Yeah, yeah, there are so many incredibly talented people that are going to fill those roles in different ways that it will make that show even more special. So if you love Sweeney, that's my recommendation to you is to also see it uh, without that principal cast on because you're still getting an incredibly special show. I know that there is a certain subsect of musical theater devotees and obsessives who will absolutely fill every house <laughs> when Gina Duvall goes on as yes. Mrs. Lovett and or Beggar Woman. But I want to see Ray the... Lee. I know, because Diana fan base is insane. Yes, yes, absolutely. What is who does Ray who is Ray Lee cover? Pirelli and the Beatle. 
Oh, that's good. Right? That's good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Very good. I'm excited for whenever that day comes and I'm able to get a nosebleed for whatever the cost is. But yeah, it's I mean, definitely. It's not like I'm saying that I was like, oh, this this production was without flaw or anything. It's just that like the people that are so incredibly talented are on stage. Right. And then also the designers that make that happen. You were like, oh, wow, I'm seeing Sweeney Todd. This is nice. Like they weren't trying to kind of be like, and here's our steampunk spin on it. Like, no, they literally just like wanted to give you Sweeney Todd. Um, There's a lot of different artistic choices and I love the chair. I think the chair is part of the comedy. I'm not even gonna lie to you. The first thing, the first time that thing flaps down, there's a huge laugh in that audience. And I think we're all here for it. So enjoy the ride. We all needed this. Yeah, and one thing that a lot of the reviews did talk about, which we didn't mention, but we've talked about many times before, is that this score or this show is giving you the original score as orchestrated by Jonathan Tunick with a band of 26 people in the orchestra. Yeah, under the direction so of Alex is, Lacamoire is really fantastic. Who? Alex Lacamoire. Unfamiliar. Unfamiliar with his work. Lackety lack. Uh, anyway, that uh, is all that we have in terms of the reviews. I will have the Broadway World Review roundup in the show notes. And if Did They Like It comes up with their uh, recap, I will put it in the show notes as well if it is available before I get done with with, uh, all of this and putting it together. I have my tickets for May. I am looking forward to it. Unfortunately, Grace, I'm in the back of the house pretty much where you were for the first one, which was not the ideal situation, I think you said, from the seating. But nonetheless, I will be very excited to see that whomever is on that stage when I do. All right, everybody. um, If you were listening to this in Patreon, have a wonderful rest of your Monday. If you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will now send you over to, I guess, me and Grace for the rest of today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, March 27th, 2023 on Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, we had a really delightful interview in the podcast feed over the weekend. I spoke with Ellery Ward, who is getting ready to head out on the final leg of her first ever solo concert tour. She's starting in Atlanta on Wednesday. She's going to be here in Orlando on Thursday, which I am seeing, which I'm very happy about. Then she's doing three shows in Pasadena, going to San Francisco, going to, I think, Seattle. She actually has a stop in uh, in New Jersey as well to end things. She's also going to be back in New York doing MCC miscast, which we talk about. And she like just feels so incredibly giddy about that, which I can understand because Grace, you and I talked about this, like miscast is the greatest thing in the world. So, um, had a great conversation with her might have found out like through some trial and error that like, I might be responsible for her entire rise to fame. So I'm not saying that it's all because of me. But I feel like it might be because I completely misremembered a very, very early interaction that I had with her. So I'm not saying she owes me her entire life, but I'm not not saying that. Men really hardly ever get to take credit for women's fame. So I really think that this is an important moment in history. (laughs) Seriously, like this will go down in history as one of the most important things to ever happen ever. Uh, But you can hear all about that uh, in both the regular feed and, of course, in Patreon, where you heard it first. If you want to hear all of our our episodes, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Now, tonight we are recording on Sunday. We have another Broadway opening coming up tonight. It is the Demon Barber of Fleet Street himself. Mm. Sweeney Todd will be officially opening on Broadway at the Lunt Fontan Theater. Grace, you have seen this show twice now. Once, like, be on like a normally pr- scheduled press thing, but then another one where you had to race to a ticket, run to the box office, and grab a sh- uh, grab a seat 
because your good friend Nathan Southstone went on last week. So do you want to talk about that here or do you want to wait on that? I think I could just like, I want to talk about two things that don't yes. really have to do with like a review of the show. Okay, fair. But two things happen. Like famously, I am so fortunate to have a couple people in the show that I really uh, adore. Um, and that's Nathan, of course, who went on for Anthony um, in place of Jordan Fisher for that night. Uh, Raymond J. Lee, who we love. Right. And then Sam Polino. Um, I was so fortunate to see the show from the back of the house. Um, like the back of the orchestra and um, closer up, obviously, um, in terms of what we get to talk about here on Broadway Radio. And um, regardless, I got to see the show twice, right? And one of those times I'm leaving the theater and um, I'm running into Ray again. We did our goodbyes inside and then we, <laughs> we were all leaving and then walking down the street at the same time. So we we caught up again. And um, Ray, if you aren't familiar, um, is Asian. And there was uh, a, a group of... Uh, pair of girls I believe behind us and we think that they also saw Sweeney and so we were walking down the street and they kind of stopped Ray and they said hi uh, and then one of those girls uh, was also Asian and she said hi sorry can I were you in, you were in Sweeney Todd right and he said yes and she said um, can I take a picture with you and it was just a really sweet like moment and he was of course he obliged and he's because he's great and we kept walking down the street and then ray split off and went home um because i he has to catch a train and has the whole family and all the things um and we uh my partner and i kept walking down the street and the two girls were still behind us and she one of them said that of course asian one was like every time i like see a broadway show if I can like take a photo with like one of the Asian people in it, if there's ever an Asian person, like I always try to like, it makes me so happy to like see somebody up there. It was just another moment of like, that's how few and far between it is. And I immediately had to tell Ray because I was like, that moment was very important to that person. And of course it makes me very emotional. Um, but it was just like another reminder of how I know we all joke and we say representation matters. It literally, like, that is the phrase. It matters. Um, and it was just a really sweet moment of just this girl gushing about how, like, she tries to, like, always, uh, you know, commemorate that moment if she sees somebody that looks like her on stage. And I just thought that was really wonderful. So if you if you are seeing Sweeney Todd and you quite enjoy the Pirelli scene for whom uh, gets to have that close shave with Pirelli, you're in for a treat with Rayleigh. That's all I'm saying. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And we, of course, will have a special review recap episode in Patreon with all of the reviews later on Sunday night. If you're listening to this in Patreon, if you're listening to this in the regular feed, you have already heard those. That brings us to Bad Cinderella. I had, as we said in the show on hmm. Friday, I had originally been planning on doing a review recap episode of those reviews. But Grace, you actually texted me and said, hey, guess what? The embargo doesn't lift until midnight. Yeah. So we had to kind of play a little bit of musical chairs as to what we were doing. I threw in a little bit of a uh, disclaimer at the top. Let's not get into why they might have done that. I mentioned it. It was probably done for a very specific purpose. But the reviews, as we kind of expected, were not great. The review aggregator site, did they like it, collected 13 reviews. Three of them were mixed. Ten were negative. I'm not going to run through in depth on a lot of these, but I do want to kind of just read some of the highlights from some of them. Jesse Green of the New York Times said, quote, 
Bad Cinderella is not the clever, high-spirited revamp you might have expected, casting contemporary fairy dust on the classic story of love and slippers. It has none of the grit of the grim tale, the sweetness of the Disney movie, or the grace, let alone the melodic delight, of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Instead, it's surprisingly vulgar, sexed up, and dumbed down. A parade of hustling women in bustiers and shirtless, peck-rippling hunks. I'm, I'm not sure that that last sentence reads as negatively as Jesse Green might have expected it to, because as Bethany Frankel talked about in her review of the show uh, on social media, which was something in its own right, the uh, shirtless, peck-rippling hunks are something to be seen. Uh, but Brittany Samuel, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, Ultimately, Bad Cinderella proves there is something worse than a new musical being bad, being unoriginal. Greg Evans from Deadline was actually one of the mixed reviews that the show got. He said, quote, what Bad Cinderella does have is an amusing enough premise, an appealing score of songs that please in the moment, a gorgeous set design, performers that give it their all, and just enough rousing good-natured moments to hold on to hopes that Bad Cinderella will arrive somewhere transformative before Dorothy has to return to Kansas. And the final, final, uh, the final one that I'm going to uh, talk about here is Jackson McHenry's review for Vulture. He said, quote, it's not a fiasco, not even a fiasca, because that would be more fun. In fact, its occasional baseline competence make it all the more insubstantial. Don't ask me to try to hum any of the tunes aside from the endlessly repeated side title song. It's giving forgettable. It's giving why. So, you know, we that was a nod to the script, I will say. They, oh, is it? Okay. There, there were a lot of moments when there were uh, hardcore attempts of like modern language. Um, and it's giving were a couple of those moments. And okay. I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> little cringe, yeah. little cringe. Yeah. So it's just, um, you know, we hate to see it like the, a ton of super talented people in this. I think it's pro it's, yeah. it reads like it's fun. Like when you're there, like it's not high art, but I don't think any of us expected it to be. So like, if you know, the what cast you're is insanely talented. I will say like the cast is really talented. The production value is like really great. You know, I, I had heard someone say, or maybe it was a review. I'm not sure talking about like, it feels like high school. And I'm like, what high school LaGuardia? Like, <laughs> sorry, I walked in and it was like an, an immaculate set. Um, so there are, there are a lot of things to really love and there are a lot of things to really enjoy and seeing Grace McLean get a really fun moment in the show, like actually quite a few, she's such a star and she hasn't gotten this like principal love to this extent on a Broadway stage. Yeah. And I'm excited, hopefully, for this to continue in her career because she and Carolee hold their own. They are fantastic opposite each other. It's it's not the whole show. You know what I mean? Like I I definitely thought because of the hype of them that it was it was a lot more in the show. No, it's a love story between two young people, you know, but they are fantastic and they are worth seeing. Like there's a lot to love in this. And these people have worked really hard. Um, so I, I always love supporting uh, all of these artists. But yeah, it's it is quite it, it is a challenging piece of like if you to to the point that it's gotten here. That's that's what's hard. Yeah. Um, we do want to mention, as we've kind of been updating you throughout, composer Andrew Lloyd Webber was not at the opening on Thursday night because, sadly, his eldest son, Nick, who had been battling uh, gastric cancer, passed away on Thursday, the same night that the show opened. So our thoughts are with the entire Lloyd Webber family. 
All right, something that is a little bit more exciting. We first kind of got word of this thanks to like people who showed up at the house and uh, had a little, uh, a nice little note in their programs that the director and choreographer of Some Like It Hot, Casey Nicola, was in the show starting on Thursday and running through this entire weekend. He took over the role of the gangster Spatz, who was originally played uh, by Mark Latito. As many of you might know, Casey Nicola, one of the most in-demand directors and choreographers on Broadway, actually started his career as a dancer and an ensemble member all the way back in 1992 in Crazy For You. We will get back to that in a second. Did The Best Little Whorehouse Goes Public, the sequel. Victor Victoria, Steel Pier, The Scarlet Pimpernel, Saturday Night Fever, Susicle, where he was an understudy for uh, Kevin Chamberlain and Horton, as Horton the Elephant. Then his final Broadway credit as a performer was Thoroughly Modern Millie. They just had a ton of you know, people out actually in a really cool Q and a with playbill. So there were four covers out and three of the five principal males were out. So they were kind of talking about what they could do to, you know, keep the show goes on. And he just kind of threw out like, well, I could do spats and like not really thinking about it. And then everybody loved that idea. And so he did it. It's been over 20 years since he's been on a stage as a performer. But what is very, very cool is he talks about the fact that the, Wardrobe supervisor, Joby Horrigan, who is in charge of all the costumes, was his dresser for Crazy For You um, something like 30 years ago. So that's a very cool uh, full circle moment for them. Um, I so told you when like we were texting about this in our group chat, like uh, something like it hot was fine. I had I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But like if you tell me Casey Nicola is on stage in that, like I would have gone back to see it because oh, I, that's yeah. just such a cool moment. Yeah, I was meant to see it on Friday, but then I had to oh, pop right, over and right. see the first preview. But I was at, I was with uh, uh, Mark and Scott Whitman and um, at Sardi's uh, for the album release ca- uh, party for Some Like It Hot um, with a bunch of uh, other uh, content creators and TikTokers and, and creatives like and friends, industry people. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the quesadillas were very good. Thank you, Sardi's. Um, but yeah, um, it, was, it was fantastic. But what's funny is um, literally, you know, you have like a little sanction off of the, of Sardi's upstairs and everybody's, you know, talking some like it hot and they're, you know, handing out umbrellas and it was, it was a really lovely thing. And then truly two tables over Lynn and his entire family are getting ready to go. to <laughs> Like, oh, Lynn, I... like Manuel Miranda Lynn. Yes. Yes. Okay, First name basis for us. Um, gotcha. For sure. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was fantastic, but yeah, some like it hot crazy weekend. And also Christian Borrell was out. That's the thing. Like you talked about how many people were out. All those people were also there, you know, to see the show and they got to see, I think it was KJ, um, Hippensteel. Am I getting that right? Yes. Um, go in for Joe Josephine. So they were all in for a really exciting show and treat this weekend. Very good. And you said, as your good friend, Lynn Manuel was getting ready, you went over with Lynn, I'm assuming arm in arm to see the first preview of New York, New York. Obviously you cannot talk about that, but I will say you and I have already made plans to go see it again when I'm in town um, for reasons because I work, you know, no, no, I, I, I am so fortunate to be a part of the team that gets to work on the show. Um, I, was on the very front row, the first row for this first preview. Okay, tell them why though. Tell them why you were on the front tell row. Tell me why. And Juliet. Um I am <laughs> four ten and a half. And you know, if you haven't run the show yet, you aren't sure who all can sit <laughs> where maybe. And um maybe I was there also to check out some of those sight lines. I don't know. These things have to 
happen, right? <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I did that. <laughs> it, and, and you know, when you have no idea or we've an talked about that, yeah. Show, I I did not bring my hanky, and I should have. I was really misty eyed. Susan Stroman came out. I posted the first curtain call on my TikTok, and I need to post the the curtain speech that Stroman came out. Um, she's so fantastic. It was really all I'm going to say is it's really magical. And if you're seeing, you know, some ticket availability now and it's in a price range you like, you should scoop that up. That's all I'm going to say. All right. We'll talk afterwards because we've already made plans to go see it together. I know. So, uh, so, all right. Um, Let's move on to some real quick show and casting news. The first thing that I want to talk about. Oddly, there's not a lot happening on Broadway this week. It's just kind of like the lull in between the March previews and openings and everything that's going to happen in April. But we do have one opening this week, and it's happening over at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater, and that is Life of Pi, which we've talked about a number of times. You went and saw Out of Town. Um, it will officially open on Thursday, so of course we will have all of the reviews uh, then as well, uh, either in its own episode or on Friday's episode of Today on Broadway. In other news, something that, again, I feel like we probably could have guessed, but it was announced on Friday that John Hamm is joining the cast of the Mean Girls musical movie in a role uh, in the role of Coach Carr, who is the resident gym coach and the incompetent sex ed teacher. That role was not really somebody that was prevalent in the stage musical, but John Hamm has a long, long history of working with Tina Fey between 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So it's no surprise that he is going to be a part of that. All right, uh, next up, let's talk about some of the announcements that we got last week about folks that will be participating in the upcoming Williamstown Theater Festival. They have a ton of programming, and we'll have a list in the show notes of everything that is coming. But some of the big names that will be there in town uh, will be Hassan Minhaj, um, uh, Laura Benanti, uh, Christopher Fitzgerald. They'll all be taking part in like various like the cabaret stuff and, and individual readings. Uh, one thing that I'm very excited about, um, not that I'm going to be there, but I would like to, is part of the main stage reading series. It is a new play called Paris Actors. It's Paris, comma, actors in all caps, exclamation point. There'll be two performances on Saturday, July 22nd and Sunday, July 23rd. It is a new play by actor and writer uh, Hamish Linklater. It'll be performed by Hamish and his real life wife, Lily Rabe, which is they do. A, they work together quite a bit, but they are always incredible. Lily just had a great run on the first season of Shrinking, playing Harrison Ford's daughter. So uh, love seeing her in that. A ton of other stuff, including uh, Three Sisters, The Pillow Man is going to be on there. A lot of really, really exciting things. And very often things that get their starts at WTF end up being very, very big uh, productions in larger scales in New York and around the world. So if you have a chance to head to uh, WTF this summer, uh, please take a chance to do that. All right, real quick, I'm going to run through some feel-good recommendations. Grace, I think you've probably seen at least some of these, but there's a new musical in the works called Female Troubles, written by, lyrics by Amanda Green, music by Curtis Moore, and a book by Gabrielle Allen and Jennifer Crittenden. They released a new song featuring Ariana DeBose and Bonnie Milligan called A Woman Knows. It is fantastic. It's the 11 o'clock number. Um, I don't know... Anything. I knew nothing about the show until this video was released, but it's it's Ariana DeBose and Bonnie Milligan. What do you expect? Like, it's really, really great. So highly recommend that one. Then 
Andrew Durand performed the song Somebody Will from Shucked on the Today Show on the final day of Broadway week. That is very, very good. I sent it to my sister, who is not a musical theater person, but is a country music person. She's a big fan of the songwriters behind Shucked. And she was like, oh, that boy can sing. I was like, yes. Yes, he can. I saw it's a musical, babe. Yes, that's how these things work. Um, And then the last one is a Playbill exclusive in which uh, Sir Lancelot himself, Jordan Donica, performs I Loved You Once in Silence. And like maybe it's because he played Freddie Einsford Hill. And I'm like, that's kind of like on the street where you live is a, a, you know, quintessential tenor song. But like he's giving me Robert Goulet baritone in this. Like I was like, oh, damn, like that's. That's hitting it really, really well. So I'm. this is at one of the shows at the top of my list for my upcoming trip in May. And that certainly helped cement that even more. But all three videos will be in the show notes and they are all really, really spectacular. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all forms of social media at It's Grace Aki. Yeah. All right, everybody. Don't forget, if you're listening to this and Patreon, come back in a few hours. I will have a review recap episode for Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Or if you're listening to this in the regular feed, you've already heard those reviews. So just let me say, have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>